Are you going to do your obnoxious hi thing? We didn't. Oh, hi. <laughs> Wait. Oh, my God. Hi. I can't just like do it on command now. And I'm nervous. Now I'm I don't know how to do it. Like, I've never said it in my life. The way you literally just said hi to me, what, three minutes ago? <laughs> oh, well, I did that naturally. <laughs> okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Okay. We will not require uh, a further audition from you, ma'am. <laughs> oh, that's rude, but all right. Chaos is already happening. Hi. Hi. Do you have any fun stories to share from this week? I didn't do anything this week. Just no. like a little short story. <laughs> I got nothing. You ain't got nothing. I did nothing. I colored, colored a lot. I went to Target, spent like two hours in Target one day. Oh, that's fun. Are you ready? Hi, guys. I'm Kelly. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to A Day With Murder. Oh, this one makes me so mad. Oh, man. Let's talk about it. It makes me so mad. Oh, great. Oh, okay. All right, you guys. So our case today is from August 23rd, 1989. Back in 1989, Yusuf Kareem Hawkins was a 16-year-old black male living in East New York, Brooklyn. Wait, what? In New York. Oh, because it's like a borough. Okay, sorry. I'm going to start that over. Yeah. I wrote that and I got confused. <laughs> but, <laughs> because I didn't understand. Like, I'm such a, not a city person. I didn't understand that inside the boroughs there were, like, mini burrows <laughs> right i was so so confused about it i'd have somebody explain it to me i was like can somebody explain new york because it's weird <laughs> someone fix and it i sort of already knew it because i've seen it in the heights i mean i know that there's little mini neighborhoods with names inside of each borough but I, just for some reason i got really confused when i was reading this and okay why so they burrows oh just don't get me started go ahead okay so Back in 1989, Yusuf Kareem Hawkins was a 16-year-old black male living in East New York, Brooklyn, in New York. He lived with his two brothers, Amir and Freddie, and his mother, Diane. His dad, Moses, left the family when Amir, the youngest brother, was about 17 months old. He came back into their lives in January of 1989. The boys were excited to build a relationship with their dad. Yusuf was described as an intelligent young man with a bright future. He had recently just been accepted to a technical high school where he had wanted to study technical engineering. His father, Moses, said he was reaching his goals. He was putting his dreams behind him because he was achieving his task. During the day of August 23, 1989, Yusuf, Amir, and a neighbor of the Hawkins family and close friend, Christopher, played basketball, then went to a Chinese restaurant for lunch. They then returned home to watch a movie. After a while, the boy's friend, Troy, showed up and asked them if they wanted to go with him to look at a used 82 Pontiac that Troy was interested in buying. It was in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. They all agreed, but Chris and Amir went to return the movie to the movie store. What is it called? The Blockbuster. The video rental <laughs> shop. <laughs> that was the most Ashley moment you've had in a really long time. Were they all just called Blockbusters or were there like specific other ones? I think they're just like all Blockbusters. No, Wasn't there one that had like a time. family one? Wasn't there one that had like family in the name of it? Movie family or family movie or something? I don't know. Whatever. The video rental store. Um, Pre-Netflix. Pre-Netflix. So, okay. They all agreed, but Chris and Amir went to return the movie, expecting that Troy and Yusuf would wait for them. However, because it was getting late, Troy and Yusuf met up with two more friends, Claude and Luther, and they decided to go ahead without waiting so they could get back. Which is so... 
yet another layer of sad to the story is that they were trying to be safer by going earlier. Yeah. Around 9 p.m., the four black teenagers got off the end train and they asked for directions. They headed to where the car owner lived, stopping at a store along the way to buy batteries and a Snickers bar for Yusuf before continuing. They never made it to the car. And we are mentioning their race because it's super relevant to this case. Right. Like I put that. Uh, I didn't know how else to. Cause I mean, race matters comment. anyway, because it shows people, you know, it just affects people's lives. But in this particular case, it just really also plays a huge role in the case. Right. Like I just put like they're all black. And at first I was like, it's relevant to the story. Like I didn't know how to. I was like, she'll know that I don't mean it in a weird way. Well, and now before we keep going, speaking of race, I want to talk a little bit about like what was going on in terms of racial tensions in New York at this time. So 1989, April 1989 is also when the Central Park Jargo case happened, which in case you guys don't know that case, five black teenage boys were convicted for that crime and then later exonerated. But at this time, they were just being charged with it. And then also in um, 1980, there was there was just... It was bad. It was really bad. And um, so there were 177 racial bias incidents in 1980. And in 1989, it had jumped to 541. And that's just in New York City. Yeah. Uh, Willie Turks was murdered in 1982. And he was in a broken down. His car had broken down in a white neighborhood. And 15 to 20 white men dragged him out of his car and beat him to death. And um, six men were charged. The longest sentence was five to 15 years. And then in 1986, Cedric Sandiford, Timothy Grimes, and Michael Griffith also had their car broke down in a white neighborhood in Howard Beach in Queens. Once again, these men surrounded the car and dragged them out and beat them. And one man was able to escape with minor injuries. One man was beaten pretty badly. And then one man was beaten badly and then tried to run and ran into oncoming traffic and was hit by a car and killed. Yeah, because they were black. Uh, nine of those men were convicted. Nine of the white men who attacked the black men were convicted of crimes. The longest sentence was 10 to 30 years. And that was John Lester. And he was actually the one who was a, with an original group that stopped to like harass the guys just where they broke down and then came back with a weapon. So I'm not sure why he got such a low sentence. And nobody served more than 15 years for that crime. So things were bad. Welcome to America. Meanwhile, you've got the Central Park jogger case where the 18-year-old, the only 18-year-old boy involved in that case was sentenced to life, but he didn't do it. And also, you see how the things yeah. are different. Like, these these guys were murdered. Yeah. She survived. I mean, she went through something hellish, and I'm not trying to downplay that, but it's just, it, yeah, you see, it's, things are tense between races in New York City right now in our story. Okay. So during this time, 18-year-old Gina Feliciano, Mm -hmm. and this is relevant as well. She was half white and half Puerto Rican. Um, She was getting ready for her birthday party. She lived in Bensonhurst, which was a largely Italian-American section of Brooklyn. She knew 19-year-old Keith Mondello. He was a white male that kept asking Gina out. She preferred to date black and Hispanic men, so she kept refusing Keith, and this made him angry. According to the guys involved, Gina told Keith that she was going to bring some of her Hispanic and black friends to the neighborhood to fight Keith and his friends. I watched a doc on HBO about this called Yusuf Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn, and according to that documentary, she just told them that she was inviting black and Hispanic guys to her party. And they were like, you're not allowed to do that. Don't invite them to our neighborhood. 
Okay. And then they also said that Keith, uh, Keith's attorney is the one who came up with the story that she had said she was going to bring them there to beat him up. Oh, okay. Yeah. The attorney? Yeah, for as like part of the defense. Oh, man. Okay. Dude, so, the attorney, the defense attorneys in this are trash. Go ahead. Keith decided to gather his friends and head to Bensonhurst. With Keith was 18-year-old Joseph Fama, John Vento, Pascal... Rauchy. Rauchy, Joseph Serrano, Charles Stressler, James Patino, and Stephen Curiei? Curreri? Curreri? Stephen Curreri? Maybe. And around 30 others. They showed up in front of Gina's apartment wielding weapons, including baseball bats and apparently a gun. So Yusuf and his friends were walking, looking up to find the address they were searching for when they encountered the mob. The mob, assuming they were looking for Gina's apartment, became immediately angry and violent. The mob surrounded the boys and then began attacking them. Accounts from witnesses say that the mob were yelling racial slurs at the boys and that Fama and Keith were leading the attack. Amid the chaos, Yusuf was backed into a doorway and four shots were fired. The crowd dispersed. Elizabeth Glarza said that she ran outside after hearing the shots around 9.20 p.m. and she saw Yusuf laying on the ground. She checked for a pulse and began CPR. He was conscious but unable to talk. She pulled up his shirt and saw the two bullet wounds in his chest. I'm about to cry. She said, the young boy clenched my hand. When his pulse stopped, he clenched tight and let go. He was so young and so frightened. I said, come on, baby, you'll be fine. Take small breaths. Just relax. God's with you. After 15 minutes, the police arrived and he was taken to Maimonides Medical Center where he was pronounced dead on arrival. 16 years old. Going to look at a car. Yeah. Oh. That's it. At the scene, police found four shell casings from a 32 caliber semi-automatic pistol, two of which were the ones that struck Yusuf. At several sites nearby, they found baseball bats. Moses said... To see my son's life wasted because of some indiscriminate fool with a gun in his hands who saw nothing but a black man is a very, very vile thing to me. A few days later, Al Sharpton, along with several hundred supporters, marched through Bensonhurst in Yusuf's name. Amir, Yusuf's younger brother, said, We got all these nasty remarks, people holding watermelons, throwing soda. I was 14 at the time. We were walking into a danger zone. We were not just locking arms because of unity, but just to keep close in case something went wrong. Could you imagine? No. And this is in the documentary footage from this time. And they went marching because so many people were saying that it wasn't racially motivated, that it was a love triangle, that Benson Hurst wasn't a racist neighborhood. And then, gosh, the documentary is so effective. They cut to people on the street have you know the on the street interviews at the time where they were saying stuff like well we're not racist we just don't like black people and if black people would learn how to behave then they could walk safely down the streets i'm like i'm sorry sir do you understand what racist is and so for these marches you had the this traumatized family marching in the street demanding justice because at this time they didn't have anybody arrested right so they were marching through the street and people were yelling at them and cussing at them and calling them the n-word and it's like guys you're racist like that's what this is and garbage ed Koch is on the news saying that benson hurst is in a racist neighborhood this wasn't a racist attack and it's like yes it absolutely was wow okay so at glover memorial baptist church Around 300 people were in attendance for Yusuf's service, with a couple hundred more standing outside the church singing hymns. Yusuf's mother, Diane, said, My scar will never heal until the day I die. I'm going to take it to my grave. 
She's so tough. First, she raised those three boys by herself, basically, and then had to go through this, and she still was able... She's still standing. I just... She's amazing. I just... I don't... I don't understand why people think it's okay to act this way. I don't know. It's... it. I don't know. And it's not something that's gone away. Because if you... For example, if you watch the documentary 13th, these things were happening... Things like this were happening at, like, Trump rallies. And it's just... It, it hasn't gone away. I was at work today, and there's an older black gentleman that works there. And we got on the topic of race or whatever. And he was telling me like he remembers like not being able to sit in certain places because it was a whites only Uh uh-huh and people who were part of that are still alive like we're not far from and then some of them who believed it was the right thing are teaching that to their kids who are teaching it to their kids like it doesn't just stop after investigating and getting witness accounts keith and his seven accomplices were identified as suspects the same night as the shooting no wait so I want to point out that they only identified eight people total. Reports say there were probably about 30 people. Yes. Yeah. Just so that's clear. So that same night as the shooting, Joseph Fama run away, ran away to upstate New York. He said, I know it looks bad, but you know, if you didn't do it, you're trying to get away from the problem. Yep. So also, so he was in the documentary. He was interviewed in the documentary. So he claims that that, at that night he was walking home from returning a movie and ran into two random guys who told him that apparently there was going to be a beef on 68th and 20th. So he went to the candy store on, I think, 68th, the corner of 68th and 20th. Gina's apartment was right above that candy store. So he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Then he just happened to go to the candy store. Um, And then he also says... That he's never really seen racism. As soon as he said that, I thought, sir, I don't, I don't believe you. Everything else you say is, is a lie from this point on, because that is a lie. He said that um, the mob came to the candy store and told him that Gina's having a birthday party. Blacks, not black people, are invited. And she's supposed to be dating one of them. And he says that he was trying to leave, but then the black guys showed up. So what was he supposed to do? Leave. It's not his fault. He's innocent. <sighs> So Fama ended up surrendering to the police in Onioda, Onionda, Onionta, Onionta, perhaps New York, Onionta, perhaps New York, just a couple of days later, and the others were arrested. Keith Mondello, the man who gathered the mob mob that led to Yusuf's murder, was acquitted of murder, but found guilty of 12 lesser charges, including rioting, menacing, discrimination, unlawful imprisonment, and criminal possession of a weapon on May 18, 1990. He was sentenced to five to 16 years. That's it. He, he was released on June 2nd, 1998, after serving only eight years. Eight years. John Vento was convicted of unlawful imprisonment and received a sentence of two to eight years, and he was released after serving his full eight years in 1998. Pasquale Rauchi was convicted of unlawful imprisonment, but all his felony charges were dismissed, and he was only given community service. However, however... After the documentary that I mentioned earlier, Yusuf Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn was released, his ties to the case became known. Now, at this time, Rauchi was working as a DJ known as Patty Duke at a hip-hop radio station, Hot 97 in New York. He began working at the station in 1994, so very shortly after all this happened. But they fired him once they realized who he was. Yes! I mean, you can't, them. you can't have somebody who was involved no. in a racist mob killing. no. Working at a hip-hop radio station. What garbage. That's like people who hate immigrants but still go eat at Mexican restaurants. Who does that? But yeah, so I thought that was really garbagey. At a hip-hop radio station, 
You murdered, you gathered, you were part of a mob that murdered a black kid. I wish they had beat him once they found out. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure that somebody has or somebody will. That shows like absolutely no remorse. None. 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 Joseph Serrato was convicted of unlawfully possessing a weapon and received community service. The other three, James Patino, Charles Stressler, and Stephen Carreri, were acquitted of all charges. Fama was the only one convicted of murder. He was found guilty of second-degree murder with depraved indifference, which means the defendant acted with a callous disregard for human life, on May 17, 1990. On June 11th, he was sentenced to 32 years to life in prison. Diane, which was Yusuf's mother, said, I believe more people should have been locked up and put behind bars. I absolutely agree. 100%. Every single one who was involved in that should have been locked up for at least some time. Al Sharpton said, It was a mob that killed him and only two went to jail. Paul Burns, assistant district attorney, said, You have to go where the evidence takes you. We charged everybody that we could legitimately charge with the evidence we had. In a case like this, you will hear complaints from both sides. Some people will say that it's an outrage that anyone was convicted and arrested. The other people... Who? Who said that? I would assume the racist people who were yelling at the protesters and things are But also, like, screw them. We don't care what they think. Are we... Yeah? Sorry. We're, We're in agreement on that? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Um, and other people are going to say that you should have arrested 20 or 30 people. My hand's raised. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but you can only charge the people that you have evidence against. I mean, isn't this part of that thing where anybody who's participating in the conviction of a ve- felony that ends in murder, everybody involved in that felony can be convicted of murder? I think that's done state by state. Hmm. I wonder if New York's one of those states. But also, they just really, they just really weren't interested in doing that. No, anyway. they did not. They care. just didn't, they didn't care. care at all. Yeah, it was really they really reported this as a love triangle thing. It and then in the trial, the defense attorneys tried to play it off as all Gina's fault because she was having um, a party with her friends. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Which also we didn't mention that when that happened is that <laughs> she's allowed to invite whoever she wants to a birthday party. Keith, you douchebag, <laughs> right? And then it was also like a lot of times it was reported as Yusuf was a young black man who was killed by white youth. Why do they do that? Because it's subliminal messaging to make it seem like they were kids who didn't know any better. And he was a man and who was somewhere he shouldn't have been. They still do that now. They still do that now. One of the recent, I don't remember the exact cases. So probably I shouldn't say it, but I I remember I saw it on there was a compare and contrast. I think it was an NPR article. No, I think it actually was associated. I think it was an Associated Press article where they were talking about one um, 17-year-old white shooter and he was a white teenager. He was a teenager and they called him a, the uh, same age black shooter, young man. And it's like they don't care that their words have impact. They do. And the 100% they do. And he was, Yusuf was 16 Keith and Fama were 18 and 19. So yeah, really, it should have been reversed. Gone. Yes. Yeah. And they also constantly call Gina the ex-girlfriend. But there's like right. n- no evidence I that they ever that, dated. That she was Keith's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. But there was no evidence that they ever dated. She she testified. Well, it just bothers me because like she testified that he kept asking her out and she said no. So why is what other people say more have more impact than what she says? Because she's female. I mean, yes, absolutely. That's kind of my point. And have Puerto Rican. How dare she? And hung out with black guys and dated black guys and Hispanic guys. How dare she? It makes me so mad. <sighs> okay. 
Joseph Fama said, I don't know who shot Yusuf Hawkins, but it wasn't my friends and it wasn't me. Mere presence is not guilt. If that's the case, then 30 other people are guilty. I'm not saying I wasn't there. I'm just saying I didn't shoot the guy. There's a lot. Yeah, let's break this down. So, okay. so is he saying that there was some random attacker on the street that came up behind the angry mob that was surrounding these four black teenage boys, shot them, and then ran off? Yep. And also, by the way, those 30 other people are guilty. I don't care what the court says. Yes. Anything else? I didn't shoot the guy. Can you... You get a little more, a little more respect for the right teenager that is dead as a direct result of your actions. Mm-hmm. Even if Instead he, of, even if he's right, even if he's saying that he didn't do it and he didn't do it, let's just let's go out on a limb and say he didn't do it. You are part of the reason he couldn't leave. Right. You're part of the reason that this kid is dead. Yes. So can you please show a little respect? Thank you. <sighs> Thama claims he's innocent and that he was railroaded. He said, my parents would always tell me your friends are going to get you in trouble one of these days. But when you're young, who is trying to listen to that? I was 18 years old when this happened. You think you know everything. Why does he, who lets him speak? Who lets him speak? I mean, I'm part of the problem. I just watched a documentary where he was interviewed. So. (laughs) Robert Russo? Russo. Like the Russo brothers. They direct the Avengers movies. Robert Russo, a jailhouse informant, says that Fama confessed to him while he was awaiting trial. Charles Brown, another jailhouse informant, testified that Fama told him, quote, I shot him. I can't bring him back. In response to Brown's claims, Fama said, quote, look at what I've been accused of. Charles Brown is African-American. Why would I confess to him for? Who opens up to someone the first day you meet them? Who does that? I hate this guy. I don't understand his argument here. I don't either. Okay. Again, who lets him speak? I think he's trying to say that if he's accused of killing a black person, that he would not become friends with a black person in prison, therefore would not, quote unquote, confess to him. Well, I mean, like, since about 40% of the prison population is black, high systemic racism, it's lovely to talk about you again. I would think that he would do that to so he wouldn't get beat up <laughs> oh yeah but if they know what he's in there for he's screwed either way right a kid yeah anyway it doesn't matter what race a child yeah franklin what, how do you say his last name i don't know it was never I, I watched part of the reason i watched the documentary was to find out how to say this last name it was never said T- tiggy tiggy tyke we're going with tiggy tyke i don't know pick one tyke i don't know pick one what's your spell first, it. what's your gut in, what's your gut instinct Tiggy. Okay. Franklin Tiggy was a witness that claims he saw Fama shoot Yusuf, but Franklin's mental health came into question. Paul Byrne said Franklin identified Joey as the shooter, but he did have a long history of mental illness, a stack of records that was very high. He had been in and out of various institutions and treated for various illnesses and given different psychotropic drugs to treat them, but that was all disclosed to the defense question okay he called him joey and he is the assistant district attorney and he's calling the defendant joseph fama he's calling him joey with their buddies exactly he's the district attorney mm-hmm. Duh, i hate it here uh-huh so this is this is the same guy who said well we can't charge everybody even yes. though they we're all committing crimes we can't charge everybody yes 
Yeah, same guy. But also, um, I do want to say, according to the documentary, Franklin recanted his testimony after Fama's defense rested, saying he wasn't there at the time, but the judge did not allow the tape into evidence. So what he said there is not technically true. You don't say. I mean, technically it's true, but it's not the whole story. Right. It's like he's a lawyer or something. Who? What? Paul Burns. It's like he's a lawyer or something. Oh. I choked went nowhere. <laughs> Sorry. I was really confused. But then also, Franklin is not the only witness. The other witness that said that Fama shoot him was Keith. However, Keith was not allowed to testify against Fama because they were co-defendants. Ah, uh, okay. But well, Keith is also Keith is gonna say that. super suspect, right? Right? Yeah. So He's super suspect. He He's literally a suspect. Okay. Fama is currently in the Clinton Correctional Facility. It's a maximum security prison in... Danamora. Danamora, New York. This is the same prison where that prison break happened. That oh, dumb, is it? That dumb woman guard let the two killers out. Okay. So he had a parole hearing in um, December of 2021, and he was eligible for parole this past April of 2022. But the parole was denied, and he will be out in April of 2023, which is his actual release date. So in less than a year, he will be back. And Yusuf is gone forever. 16-year-old boy. And then I think part of the reason parole is denied is that Fama is expressing no No remorse. remorse. No accountability. Nothing. Verbatim. I didn't shoot the guy. Yeah. So he won't get out. I mean, he, you know, obviously he wasn't going to get out early. Keith Mondello did admit to playing a role in Yusuf's murder. He said, that kid was shot for no reason at all. It was completely senseless. Did I know it then? Yes. I know it even more now. I would do anything to give Yusuf Hawkins his life back. On January 22nd, 1999, Mondello met with Yusuf's father, Moses, and he apologized to him. And then Moses passed away in 2003. Fama was quoted saying, I can't imagine what the mother went through and the rest of the family. I wouldn't have thought to happen to anyone. It was all so stupid. Even that doesn't seem, I mean, that's not remorseful. Mm -mm. He's still not apologizing. He's not, I don't know. And Keith seems to have gotten his life together. Together, Yeah. yeah. I will give him that. Yeah, he seems to have gotten his life together, hopefully. Um, Fama doesn't seem to feel any kind of Nothing. sympathy. So, uh, yeah. The corner of Verona, I'm going to cry, I might cry on this. The corner of Verona Place and Fulton Street in Brooklyn, which was near Yusuf's home, was renamed to Yusuf Kareem Way in his honor on March 19th, 2021, on what would have been Yusuf's 48th birthday. This, this got me. This, yeah. Don't, don't, because <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm already crying. <laughs> All right. And I'm on my period too. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Because this will make me sad. Moses said, he died for something I did. I'm the one who gave him his color. He was born black because of me. Due directly to the protests and actions of the civil rights leaders after Yusuf's murder, New York City elected its first black mayor, David Dinkins. Could you imagine as a parent, like, holding that? Like, nope. You know what I mean? Nope. No, I literally, that's something that I, 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 it keeps me awake sometimes at night. So I can't imagine what, what Diane especially went through. I told you, I was watching that thing about the Oklahoma Girl Scout uh-huh. thing. And they started talking about like their age and stuff like that and seeing like pictures. And I was like, no, uh-uh. Like, cause they were eight, nine and 10 years old. Yep. I can't and I do like, anything. No, absolutely kids. not. I, I turned it off. And that's never happened to me. That's. Damn it. You're welcome. Damn you and your child. <laughs> She's so cute, though. 
I was like, no, I can't do it. Like I was going yeah. into like a panic. Yeah, I can't. And I was like, I, I, I guess this is what Kelly is like twenty four seven. I can't handle. Yes, this. almost all the time. <laughs> almost like, all you, the time. How do you let her do anything? Oh God. Okay, sorry. Hey, you remember that episode we did with a 10-year-old and I literally spent the entire time crying? Yeah. All right. So in a protest march following all the light prison sentences that most of the men received, if they got prison sentences at all, Al Sharpton, um, who was at the protest, was stabbed by a drunk white guy. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So he had to have a surgery and literally leaning over his bed as he came out of surgery was uh, the mayor who was like, hey, we need you to call for peace because it's getting crazy. And apparently Al Sharpton told him, when I opened my eyes and I saw all you guys here, I thought I had died and gone to hell. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I know what I'm going to say whenever I come out of surgery. <laughs> Man, why didn't I know that long before? <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, and then also, right? Oh, Jesus. Take me, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. All right, and then we talked a little bit about this in terms of the witnesses. So one of the investigators on this case was Louis Scarcella who is garbage look him up he's an nyp detective who they're having to look into dozens of his cases for coerced witnesses police brutality coerced um, confessions he is trash and originally when this case went to trial uh they said the prosecutor said that he had nothing to do with this case well they went back and looked again recently and yes he did his signatures on a bunch of stuff so now they're looking to see if he may have coerced witnesses to make fama look more guilty why because he's one of those trash investigators that is more like no i no i get that but to see if they've coerced him to make him look more guilty well because he's obviously guilty he admits to being there so he's guilty of that he's guilty of being one of the ones who was forcing the boys to stay there not letting them leave by threats of violence but they're trying to make it they're looking to see if he was if it was actually somebody else who fired the weapon and not fama oh oh okay 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 i was okay my brain did not wrap around that okay I'm with but it. based on their current behavior i'd rather keith be out than fama yeah 100 percent. yeah fama will be out in less than a year though yeah i know but i mean they're still probably will look into it first of all because he's a white guy and second of all because um he'll probably you know if he they find evidence that he conviction can be overturned then that can be off his record and you know what i'm going to say whether we talk about convictions being overturned free add-on great i'll do add-on please and thank you and thank you can i have a happy ending because i'm not this was a rough one dude all right i hate it here but yeah watching that documentary i got mad i got sad it was a lot it was a lot um but it was really good and if you get a chance you should watch it all right so our birthdays today in 1949 rick springfield was born (laughs) happy birthday i knew you'd like that one i realize he's so old he's pretty old and then sad one in 1978 kobe bryant was born oh and then in 1978 andrew rannells was born and he played a short term as king george in hamilton but (laughs) we all know him from book of mormon and i believe (laughs) are those those songs yes that we played on the way to the beach (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> i made ashley listen to book of mormon on the way to the beach <laughs> it's the best way to learn the history of mormonism <laughs> i mean god says go dig up your backyard that makes perfect sense <laughs> fantastic anyway so it's, it's his birthday today happy birthday happy birthday all right so our events today so in 79 
That's it. That's a whole in date. What? 79. In, in what? 79? 79 what? AD. Just 79? 79. All right. All right. Mount Vesuvius began stirring on the feast day of Vulcan, the Roman god of fire, and went on to destroy Pompeii. It's oh. An appro- it's an approximate date because it happened a few years ago, so it's hard to determine dates. 79. Seven, the end. 79. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one would throw you off. Y'all should have seen the panic on her face when I just stopped. She's like, did you mean 1979? 1879? I mean, you have like 19 to choose from. I don't... I don't what? Pick, pick one of those to go in front of that. Just 79. And actually, okay. now they think it was in October, but I just really thought that one was... I just love that kind of stuff where they in were October, like... Uh, October of 79. 1979? No. 79. No, 79. The end. <laughs> okay. Right, I just then. love that it was on like the day of the Roman God of Fire's feast day and the volcano starts stirring. I just love that. It's like perfect. Okay. All right. So then in 1904, this is another weird thing that I had never thought about before. Automobile tire chains were patented by Harry D. Weed in New York. Oh, for the snow? For the snow. It's pretty smart though. Can that you? Came, that came out of necessity. Yeah. Cars were first used, by the way, in the United States in 1893. Can you imagine like the first time they tried to drive on snow? I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Meanwhile, somebody in a horse and buggy just comes by and looks at him and laughs like <laughs> my horse can uh-huh. stop whenever it wants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like this one. So then in 1974, here's our last event. 1974, John Lennon reported seeing a UFO in New of York City. <laughs> yes, of course he did. Thank you, John Lennon. Finally. My I feel people. like if the aliens were going to go anywhere, it'd be New York City. Sure. I'd be like, this place looks very interesting. What do they got it's here? So many lights. They'll think it's a runway. <laughs> All right. So, who caught your eye this week? <laughs> Is it Leonardo da Vinci again? No. Leonardo DiCaprio. Cleopatra. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's Stop. our podcast. <laughs> so, with my surgery and stuff, my sleep schedule had been like all messed up and all crazy. So, it's like two o'clock in the morning one night, and I'm what <laughs> does that sentence make no sense it was two o'clock in the morning one night <laughs> yeah two o'clock in the morning one night i said what i said and so i'm on the history channel website um looking at the like random uh today in history or uh-huh. know, whatever so i was going back like reading a few days and this thing about cleopatra came up and so i clicked on it and started reading it and she married two of her brothers because especially back then their bloodline they wanted to keep mm-hmm. it like pure. pure or whatever uh-huh. so they would like marry each other uh-huh and like they're pretty sure that her parents were brother and sister so yeah that. that was a thing um, back then she had a son by julius caesar i knew that i did not know that um also did not know that uh she died by suicide what's his face uh what's his name I want to say Mark Anthony. I don't know why. That's correct. Mark Anthony. Is it? Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I was waiting to see if you would get oh it. Oh my God. I'm right. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was like, I know that's <laughs> all right. That's J-Lo's ex-husband. <laughs> Cleopatra had him first. <laughs> that's why I'm like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> Anyways, she. Oh God. Now you just gaslit me. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mark Anthony. Okay. She's been who I've been obsessed with and apparently you know everybody says she was so beautiful you know blah 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 whatever 
um, some sources say that she was not, mm-hmm. that it was her uh, mindset and demeanor and personality and everything that made her so attractive to everyone. And that eyeliner, though. And that eyeliner, though. Yeah. Good for her, I guess. Except for the marrying the brothers thing. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I don't think. I mean, they but that's had, what like, they did back choice. then. Yeah. yeah. They didn't. It was a thing. Yeah. That's who I got. Who caught your eye? Oh, also everyone from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. How far are you? Are you still watching it? Um, it's still on season one, but I'm like season one, episode like 15 or 16 or something. Is it Charles? <gasps> yes. He's my favorite. Isn't he so fun? He is. He's the best. I like the captain. He's really funny. All right. So I've been watching the new season of Good Bones, which is the home improvement show on HGTV. Or I should say the new season that's on Amazon Prime. And there was this moment on the show, and I love everyone on there. There was this moment on the show where um, the boss lady, Mina, and her, uh, I think he's the project manager. His name's Corey. She was trying to get him to do, they were doing like a superhero thing, and she was trying to get him to do pew pew. Like she would do one Uh punch, and then he would do another one, but they had to do it on time. And he was so confused about how to do it. I was like, that's adorable. So that's who caught my eye this week. Because <laughs> I had a crummy week, but that part uh, made me really smile. I was like, that's so cute. <laughs> he was Aww. trying so hard. He couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and it then he got in so, an effort, though. He got so proud of himself when he did it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was so cute. That's the best. Those are the best kinds of dudes. The guys who actually try? Yes. Yes, right? They're just like, okay, I have no idea what's going on, but, but I'm in. Shot. I've got your back 100%. I got you. This is making her happy. Let's just do this. (laughs) Nailed it. All right, you guys. So that was our case from August 23rd, 1989. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at A Date With Murder and on Facebook at a date with pod bye love you miss you bye love you miss you bye amen amen okay bye hugs and kisses high fives and handshakes hugs and kisses waves and finger guns and finger what guns oh you go (laughs) okay bye okay bye 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 (laughs) and we're recording and cut. No. I'm sorry when you do that. <laughs> I want to correct you so bad. No, that's not right. That's not why you say it. It's not what it is. And cut. You mean action? I understand why you get me and your mother confused. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We both Thanks. have that disapproving look. <laughs> yes, extremely. This is the, um, this is, this, this, whoa. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Yep. All of that too. <laughs>